quarterly edition of the Extra Bases podcast. We've now gone quarterly. We used to go week to week. Yeah. Then we did every couple of weeks, and now we're quarterly. What's up with that, Jeremy? Well, you know, it's the first time back in the station with the podcast, you know, in a couple of years. I, yeah. I think I found my way here, you know, through MapQuest. Yeah, but there's Zoom and there's other, other yeah, venues and avenues. Ah. And so why are we now doing quarterly like I mean, what, are busy. we gonna are we gonna try and at least do this week to week again I've been, I've been busy i feel bad it's my fault i'll wear it you know I, i've let everybody down yeah i just i've been busy I, look tell me about the text you got you can tell me about the text from your that your dad uh I mean, hawaii oh i got a lot of texts yeah so we're the, like that's that one so my dad's in hawaii on vacation and they're going he goes to this golf course and uh turns out as he's about to tee off there's a couple of of Houston Houstonians, Houston, mm-hmm. okay. Yep. I was gonna say Houstonites. We'll go with Houstonians. Houstonians um, that are there, and they're baseball fans. are talking baseball. So my dad goes, "Hey guys from Houston." I go, "Yeah, we're baseball fans." And he says, um, "You know, you guys ever watch KHOU?" Oh yeah, all the time. That's our favorite. It's our favorite covers. What we do. Oh my son Jeremy Booth. Oh yeah, him and Jason Bristol. It's great. We watch them all the time. Listen to the podcast. My dad's like, "Listen, man, you're you're getting your stuff in Hawaii now." So it was, pre- it was pretty good. It was nice. Those of you who happen to run into my dad on the golf course, I apologize in advance. Whatever may, you may have gone through, no, he's he's a good dude, and it was nice to um, it was nice to be able to hear that people are listening. I was like, wow, these people actually remember that we did a podcast. Okay, <laughs> that I, was my has point. Has it been that bad? Have I really it's been, been gone a long that much? time? Like right. it, we're breaking the cardinal rules of podcasting, which is you have to be have to do them in some regularity and. You know, we used to be really good about it, and now it's just, okay, no one wants to hear a podcast about us not doing podcasts. Major League Baseball All-Star Game, what'd you think of the jerseys that came out? I, Actually, I, I wasn't, they didn't offend me. They weren't too bad. Last year's were not good, okay? And so anything above last year is a step forward. Uh, this year's were pretty good. I, I was I was very happy to see them. I think they're classy. I like the team's logo back on the front or the team name. Um, I'm excited to see what happens out there. Obviously, LA is my original hometown. Uh, Houston's my adopted hometown. So I'm excited to see what's going to happen out there. I think it's going to be fun. The players seem to like them, right? And, but again, last year you were more NBA, was it NBA All-Star Game style with like the, you know, so I, I think this year they're back to being baseball. It's, um, it's, it's a win in my book and it's positive for MLB to take a step away from, um, well, whatever direction they were trending for quite some time. Most egregious omission from the All-Star game. And I went I went Logan Gilbert with the Seattle Mariners. I mean, 10 wins, 10 and 3, 2.61 ERA, second in baseball in wins. And certainly one of his teammates, Ty France, is probably yeah. deserving as well. But I look at him head-to-head with Nestor Cortez, and, and I've got to go with Logan Gilbert. I just think Logan Gilbert has been better. You know, there's there's really no um, there's no way to go wrong with that argument. You know, with what you're saying, the the process is different this year, right? And so, I I'm not going to go ahead and single one guy out on my end because I really think that the process needs to work itself out. There's quite a few guys who deserving to be in this game that aren't in the game. And um, you know, look as MLB and the players work their process out to get this where it needs to be. This is an adjustment for everybody. And, and you know, we'll, they'll see where it lands. I, I think there were a lot of snubs. I, I don't think it was one guy. I think Logan Gilbert's a great example of that. But I think there was a lot of snubs across both um, both leagues. And uh, the process has some working out to do, and, and they'll get there. How do you feel that um, 
your buddies, the scouts, are they are they finally used to this July draft? Because again, I just can't. I just can't get into this July draft, man. Like Ooh. being a part of the All Star festivities and everything. It just to me, it's still June. Like I need it in June because I'm used to that. Ooh. We, you know, I, I'm. I'll say it this way because thankfully we can do that here, right? Um, when I say that nobody likes the draft in the middle of July, um. I'm probably being nice. I mean, nobody likes it. There isn't a scout that likes it. There isn't a club that likes it. There isn't an agent that likes it. There isn't a player that likes it. Um, the MLB is trying to add... Um, spice? Well, yeah. I mean, I was going to say more of a, um, a, a, a flair, so spice works, you know, to what they're doing with this. Uh, here's the difference. This was explained to me by somebody um, you know, in the broadcast arena, okay? And it may, it's something we all know, but when articulating it makes sense. If you're the NFL or the NBA, these players show up pretty much right away, right? So the draft to the league that they're or hockey, you know, that they're in, these kids, these players will will be drafted and they'll show up in at the major city. In baseball, that's not the case. They get drafted and you might not see them for four years if ever. So the continuity is what they're looking for. It's not there. There needs to be more to it. And I think that trying to drive interest in, in the draft and putting it at the all-star game makes it more of a spectacle. That said, for the overall calendar, even with the own programming they're trying to run, MLB's trying to run with their summer leagues and whatnot, um, and the draft league, right? Anything they're trying to do there, um, it's it's taken away from. It It doesn't help. The draft should go back to the beginning of June. Everybody be happy with that. Colleges would be happy with that. Uh, kit players would be happy with College that. summer leagues would be happy with that. Everybody would be happy with that. And, and I think that if you do that, you're in a situation where you've helped the game rather than hurt it. The reason why MLB really put it in July, and and, and I'm, I'm going to say it. Opinion or no, from what you've gathered no, from people? This is why. Okay. Now, now, they won't... Um, they won't publicly do it, but as happens, oh, I don't know, every so often here, we'll talk about why something's happening, and then, lo and behold, guess what? You have why it happens. Here's why this happened. They decided that they wanted to, as we well know by the affiliate contraction, do away with expenses of minor leaguers. There's obviously been a push for more minor league pay, which is long overdue. Yep. It's long overdue, okay? But MLB is not just going to start paying money and not get it back. That's not how they got to where they are today. They're going to be like, yeah, we're going to pay you, I don't know, 2500 bucks. Guess what? Ten of your buddies just lost their jobs. Like, that's how they're going to do it. Okay? So they got rid of the – they had the contraction of the affiliates. The whole goal was to do away with short season baseball altogether. If these kids are drafted July 15, when are they realistically signing? There's nothing left in the summer to play, even with the extended uh, month, Right. They sit out the rest of the summer, they go to the complex, and they don't have a summer of getting paid on MLP's dime or these teams' dime for getting at bats. Now, here's what that has really done. That has taken interest away from baseball because it's less of an option, right? It, it, baseball had so many different ways to enter and to play, and it's not just about the big leaguers. It's about the fan base. It's about the people that go into the stadium here in Houston and everywhere else that get a chance to grow up with these players or players that are no longer players go back and coach any number of ways you become a baseball fan. MLB didn't look at it that way. They started treating the dollar signs as just what they were doing in affiliates. And so they moved the draft to July to try to get money, get some more attention on the draft, get some TV money out of it, and cut expenses. The cost of that, right, or on the other side, hey, yeah, minor leaguers, we'll do some more money. Hey, yeah, yeah, we'll pay for your, your housing. You think these, these guys are arguing over thousands of dollars? Stop it. We're talking millions and billions on the table. And what they did was they that's why they did it.
So what you're saying is because it's mid-July with the draft, there's not a lot of season left. There's no reason to put them in a short season. There's no reason to have a short season because there's there's not enough baseball left to really make it worth people's while to well, have these guys go well, play. Let's rewind the history a little bit, and, and I'll go a little deeper. So for years, call, as you know from being you know, active in the amateur college summer leagues, right? College pitchers... Um, to say they throw a lot of innings. Is an understatement. Okay, so they throw a lot of innings in a short period of time. Um, before their draft year, they go out to summer leagues and they pitch for a little bit and then they shut down. And most of the guys who go to summer leagues are guys who don't have the innings throughout the year. So the best guys aren't really arms, have been staying in campus or going home and rehabbing because they show, throw so many windows in a short period of time. Well, if you trickle that into professional baseball, if the goal is to have a college draft, which is no matter what they tell you, that's what they're trying to do. College draft, and those college pitchers aren't pitching anyway. They need to save them. They need to re- re- revamp them, do whatever they're going to do to take them forward, whatever the case is. But innings in the summer are irrelevant. If there's nobody on the mound, there's nobody that can get it bats because there's no way to play the game. So by putting the draft in the middle of July, kids don't sign until the first week of August. Oh, yeah, take the three weeks home with your family. Don't worry about it. See an instructional league. Instructional league is no longer what it used to be. Where if you're the Cardinals and 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 uh, you know and, and I'm the Blue Jays and the guy over there is the Red Sox and we could all play each other on buses, that's what it used to be. Now it's stay in the complex and inner squad for three weeks and then go home. Why? Dollars. It's not because that's better. It's dollars. So MLB has no incentive to move the draft, right? The players' union up until you know recently really hasn't. Um, had any reason to advocate or hasn't done a lot with the minor leaguers, right? It's all the big league guys. So you, you have something that uh, has kind of created the perfect storm where the minor league, where MLB has 100% control over these minor league affiliates and how they're going to play. And this breed of owner, um, okay, I've made the full decision and I, and I, I, just, I, I don't want to go back to the team, like ever. Okay, I just don't want to do it. I'm very happy with my life. Um, I'm saying that, prefacing the next one I'm about to say. Okay, uh, I'm very happy with life. Is I'm happy to be able to make an impact. I like my own schedule. I like being able to discuss, fine, you know, baseball with you. I just I don't. There's I have no interest. And even with a couple of people who I love and I maybe consult for it, never again in that capacity. Okay, and I hope no people this is listened to. So here, never again. All right, and it's no disrespect. There's no one to it. Um, this breed of owner cares less about the game than any other time impossible. They're looking at these guys as dollars and cents. So they don't care what happens to these players. They don't care what happens to their lives. They don't care. And that, and I'm not throwing Jim Crane under the bus when I say that, but Jim Crane did not become a billionaire without doing what billionaires do. Now, it's not an integrity you know, attack. It's just what it is. And um, while I happen to think he's a better owner than many out there, just from my brief interactions with him at the stadium, um, I, that's why. And so all of that tied together means that the rest of us who care about the game as a whole can go pound sand. That thing's going to stay in July, whatever it is. It's going to be at the All-Star break, and kids are going to lose a year of development, and less people will play baseball than ever before. Yeah, the arms is interesting because I look back, one guy, that, and I looked up his statistics, one guy that jumped out at me as a guy who dra- was drafted and did not pitch his draft year was Andy Bennis, who was the number one overall pick. Yep. It makes sense. He's pitched a lot of innings. So what did he do? The very next season, he starts out in Double A, and right. that, and you know, you're saving bullets, bullets right. that are worth a lot more money down the line than they are uh, pitching, 
25 innings for the Spokane Indians of the Northwest League. I think they were the Northwest League. So it makes yeah, it makes it makes tons of sense what you're saying. Yeah, I mean you can't fault the club player development for watching. It stinks these. for the people in Spokane, Washington. Sure, but you can't fault you can't fault the clubs for looking at how many innings he's like I drafted Taylor Youngman out of Texas. He was never the same after that, right? I mean he threw so many innings in Texas. Um, he got out there and was fine in A ball. Was okay in Double A. Really got struggled in Triple A and was still brought in the big leagues, but. You know, from a college pitcher standpoint, that's a guy. You're like, man, this guy's going to be a horse. And he's already burnt out. You know, it, it's it's something that uh, you can't fault the clubs for doing it. It's you, I understand why they're going that direction from a developmental standpoint. But at the end of the day, the reason why the draft is there is in the middle of July is not just because of the TV money, because there really isn't a whole lot of TV money for the draft. It's there for a little bit of a show. It's really there to save the entire season of short season baseball off their books across the game. One of the hottest teams in baseball right now, Baltimore Orioles. How do you feel about that, Jeremy? Because I, mean, I look at that and I think, <laughs> wow. I mean, and it's interesting. One of the strengths of this team is the bullpen. And we know what the phrase around here is, relievers are volatile. Yeah. But you can catch lightning in a bottle with relievers. And I think the Orioles are really benefiting from a, guy, a bunch of guys who many cases were cast off from other other organizations who are pitching some of the best baseball they've pitched in their careers. And who knows if they'll be able to replicate that down the line, but I think they're basically the beneficiaries of some very well-pitched bullpen action right now. Certainly that's not the entire recipe for success for the Orioles, but I think that's playing partly a role in what they've been able to do. The success they've had out of the bullpen with a bunch of guys that, a lot of teams decided, eh, we'll let somebody else work with them. No comment. Okay. Here, okay, no, I, I can't. I can't. I know I am. I can't do it. What I will say is, look, you know, relievers being as volatile as they are can go up or down. Yeah. So if they're up, man, life is great, right? It, it, the world is spinning bright and sun is shining, you know, like what Chick Hearn used to say, eggs are cooling, butter's getting hard, the jello's, I mean, everybody's happy, okay? When they're not, the world is over and it's going down fast. And the Orioles have done a good job. <laughs> the Orioles have done a good job of uh, putting all that together in, in, in the back end of a bullpen, right? So that's that's good for them. Um, Baltimore, if you, you've been to Camden, right? Oh, yeah. Baltimore deserves a winner. Yes. I don't care if it's Bugs Bunny or Michael Ice. Or, I, I don't care. Or the guy from Space Jam. I, I don't care what the what was, Monstars, or those things were. Yeah, right? the Monstars. I don't care who's the GM. The Orioles deserve a winner. Um, I still think the, the road is suspect. I still think that, you know, we're talking about some people that are overachieving right now, to your point. Um, I hope there's more to it. Like, I hope there's more to it for the city. I hope there's more to it. doesn't matter what I think of, of Mike's um, or any of the people over there's evaluation skills. No one's all bad. There's always something they're good at. And if they're able to find um, a way to get things done, that's fine. My problem with Mike Elias has been less about... and I, you know, My problem with Mike Elias has been less about his actual ability and more about the smug attitude if he's got it all figured out and taking credit for the people before him. Okay, that's my problem with Mike Elias. My problem with Jeff Luno is way different. They're not the same person. Okay, the problem with Mike Elias is, again, it's this attitude that he's so. I mean, just go the first day I met the dude. He's like, "Hey, I'm I'm Mike Elias with the Cardinals." I'm like, "Yeah, I'm Jeremy Booth with the Twins." He goes, "What do you do?" 
what do I do, bro? We're both here scouting. What do you mean? And he goes, I saw an area, I'm an area guy, and I told him my, ter- my territory. And he looks at me, kind of puts his nose up in the air. And he goes, oh, I'm a college cross-checker. And he walks away. It's first day. It's day one. Like, it's our first time, you know. I see him a little bit later down the line when he comes to Texas. No, I'm sorry. The next next couple of years, I'm out there, and I'm, I'm, cross, I'm not cross-checking yet, but I'm cross-checking. And I'm watching Virginia Tech and Boston College, who are loaded in this year with prospects on both sides. And this guy shows up in about the fourth inning. And to say he doesn't have his stuff together would be would be nice, okay? And he sits next to me because he knows me. He starts asking me some questions, and I kind of give him a little bit. I'm like, Mike, I'm doing work for you, man. You know, it's that. So I've seen both sides. And then he gets to Texas, and after all that, he's the special assistant to Luno, and I'm cross-checking the middle now, right? With the Seattle, we're in other Texas A&M, and Amos my best buddy. My problem with Mike Elias isn't that he's bad at what he does as a whole. I don't agree with his draft philosophy, and I don't agree with some of the stuff that he does, but you know what? 31 flavors. You do what you want to do, and if you're good at it and you win, good for you. My problem is the way Mike carries himself and the way he's treated people in the game. Okay, And so with that, I don't really have a whole lot of uh, – of love loss for the guy, but I don't like. I don't have a personal reason to dislike the guy. It's more of a so if he's doing good for the Baltimore Orioles, they have to be winning right now. Good for the city of Baltimore. How's that? Yeah, I mean CNL Perez, zero point nine six ERA. Felix Bautista, one point seven seven. Dylan Tate, two point six one. Jorge Tate. Lopez, sixteen saves. I mean they're getting Wait, production. George, the guy we have in Milwaukee, second rounder. Dylan Tate. No, Lo- Lopez. Oh, Jorge Lopez. Yeah. Yes. All star, good, good, good for good for them, good for them, good for Lopez and, and, and good for Tate and all the guys that are having career years. But let that also show you how when something goes right in one area, it can carry to everybody else in the area, right? If it's going well, man, that's contagious. And if it's not, that's contagious. By the way, just I happened to be reading some Astros news, and I don't remember what it was because the days are flying. Um, and I was keeping up with the club. Didn't Christian Javier have a couple good extended outings? Did he did? Yeah. So. It would have been better to have him extend for a couple of innings and prepare to pitch instead of bringing him in. Does that do I have that right? Yeah, there's still this thing around here that Christian Javier, bullpen guy, no. weapon. I think the Astros have made it very clear, and Dusty Baker has said it tactfully, that this guy takes forever to warm up. And because he takes forever to warm up, he is sometimes not an option. In the bullpen. In the bullpen. Then what happened? Okay, do I even want to go backwards to wherever game that was? We were sitting there. I know. And I kept. I said to you, no, right? This guy needs to get loose, and you bring him in and start the inning. Didn't I say that? Yeah. All right, well, at least we've learned our lesson, because the Astros are going to have a, ch- a chance at it this year. Certainly with the Astros having a good problem to have with perhaps too many starters, but um, any idea that Christian Javier, yes, in a in a general sense, yes, he could be a weapon out of out of the bullpen, but I think when you listen and read the tea leaves, like the bullpen is, he's not a bullpen guy just because of, first and foremost, to me, it takes him for, he's not a guy that gets hot real easily. No, he's, he's, a, he's a swing man that has to start the inning at the worst case scenario. He's a fist starter. That's what he is. He's a five. And if he's better than that, great. But you think he's only a five? I, I said if he's better than that, great. I, I think he has versatility value between both, but he has to start the inning. Like, you have to know when he's going to throw and let him prepare, and then he starts the inning. Bringing him in the second second hitter, you don't do that with starters. No, and I think the Astros know that. Like, they know Finally, that. Yeah. They know that. They know that now. 
right? But look, they're getting another shot this year. They are going to. It's been pretty fun from a from a big league level coaching this or not coaching, but a, a, you know watching this happen for five years now. It, it's going to be another shot in the postseason, another shot at a World Series. If they've learned their lessons now, here's pulling for Dusty, who has a ton of wins, a ton of postseason appearances, right? And the club will get another ring. And if Javier has that type of, they finally, I don't know why it took that long to figure it out, because Dusty's got a lot of baseball under his belt, but they figured it out. So, good for him. Real quickly, uh, we did this on Sports Extra the other night. What's that? The storyline, which no one could have anticipated for the Astros. The storyline, which no one could have anticipated. Do you want me to tell? Well, I don't want to tell you what the other guys said because would that help you? No. I mean, I got mine. Then what is it? That nobody could have anticipated? That nobody could have anticipated. J- J- Corey Lee is a big leaguer. <laughs> no, come well, on. It counts. It's a storyline, right? Right now? Right now it's not, not Listen, fast. Listen, you knew he was going to be a big I, leaguer. What, this year? I would have thought you would have gone with Jeremy Pena, how much no, he's excelled. Because Daniel Gotera said on this on the show yeah. that he was like the, the, the rookie. He was going to be the rookie yeah, of the year. Yeah, so I mean, you know, I got to give Daniel that credit yeah. because Daniel said, hey, you know, this guy, you've heard of Jesus, wait till you see him. I mean, that was Daniel, you know? But as far as like, um, as far as. Landry Locker and Matt Musil both said Justin Verlander's season at 39 coming off surgery. Why? What he's been able to do. Why? Well, going deep into ball games. I mean, I I didn't I I I was wondering if he was going to reach 12 wins, not because it's Verlander, but because of the fact that I figured he would be the pitch count would be a bit restricted, and yeah. I didn't know if he would go very deep into games. And look what he's been able to do. So, I I I just I don't know. I, I'm not surprised at that because, because it's Justin Verlander. Well, because of the way he's built physically. Like, you know, when you look at. Uh, Tommy John, it, it, it comes back one of two ways. It's either not really good or it's really good, right? Um, and when it comes to what Verlander's done, it's obviously gone the other way. You could watch him throw from the beginning and realize he was going to be all the way back. Um, sometimes the rehab in Tommy John makes you stronger. Yeah. Right? And so the way, just the way you're preparing to protect it, it makes you stronger. And Verlander wants to pitch, I think he said 45. Something like that. 45. He might get there. He's certainly going to get a couple more years out of it. And, you know, I, I don't um, – I'm not surprised at all. I, I think the storyline for me, it's only because of the system as a whole, is that Corey Lee is a big leaguer this year. Why? Because somebody said Pena. I didn't say Pena, but somebody did say it. Somebody um, – we talked about Bregman a lot. We talked about Altuve a lot. We talked about Alvarez. Even Tucker being an all-star. Somebody would have predicted that somewhere, right? I don't think anybody thought Corey Lee would be in the big leagues this year. And I think that shows the catching situation in Houston as not being what everybody thinks. As good as Maldonado has been at times, right, especially defensively, the fact that Corey Lee's in the big leagues talks about their depth, and there is an issue. Which but I, it, I, 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 I might have said that before. An injury to Jason Castro is what brings him up. Why him? He okay. shouldn't be here. He's not ready. Three, three for three the other day notwithstanding. There's more to do with Corey Lee's minor league history and the COVID time that he missed, right, before he gets to the big leagues this year. There's certainly a lot to do defensively. Boy, I thought mine was in the weeds. What'd you say? I believe that no one could have predicted that Rafael Montero would be... That's weedsy. <laughs> would be, I don't want to call him a weapon, but a guy that they've used in nearly every leverage situation that they have. I mean... But you said relievers are volatile. He was a throw-in. He was a throw-in 
in the Kendall Graveman deal. He's 3-0, 1.87 earned run average, 35 games. He's saved six. He's allowed one home run, and his strikeouts per nine innings is more than 10, which is right around the best of his career. He's at 10.2. And again, here's a guy that, yes, dealing with a lot of injuries and issues last year, but I don't think anyone could have predicted that Rafael Montero would be one of the more valuable guys in the bullpen based on what we based on the previous sample size that Astros fans I would had. agree with you and, and yes that's weedsy but I'm, I'm gonna agree with you but I'm gonna say that I think that somebody would have who's an analyst okay and the reason why is because that's what analysts really do and, and, and analytics really really work in these areas in players like that that's where they work they find the value that other people aren't really seeing so whatever numbers and whatever they looked at, that's how they got that kid, right? The Mariners who are very heavy. 31, he's not a kid, but I understand what you're saying. Okay, well, that's how they got that player. I mean, I'm 45 still, you know. Anyway, that's how they got that guy. Um, I still, I, you know, relievers are volatile. This guy's overachieving. Um, you know, I, I think when you look at the system depth and what was really out there, the fact they, they can't go get catching. Castro's probably done after this year. He might have even said he's done after this year. Um you know, so if he hasn't, he might be done. But the reality is, is you have a situation where the Astros need some catching help in a hurry, and that's what they had. And nothing against the kid long term, maybe something else. So far, he's been power and throw and light hit and light catch. It was throw over catch, power over hit. How's that borne out? Pretty fair? Yes. Yeah. All right, everybody. That's uh, the quarterly edition of the Extra Bases podcast. Do you think we can do one next week as well? We can do one next week. I can't promise I'll be in studio. For no, that. no, no, no. Week. This was a bonus. This was a bonus. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. For Jeremy, I'm Jason. Till next time. <laughs>